So hey everybody, welcome to episode 220 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Greg Heo in San Francisco, California. Hello. And the other two aren't here today. Mm, so angry. They have uh, they have things to do, places to go, access to grind. They're know, busy people. So. They're busy. We forgive mm-hmm. them. They're busy people. Yeah, yeah, they are busy people. All right. So, well, before we dig in here, um, I should just uh, have one fact check from last week. We were sort of going all over the place about gigabit Ethernet on the new devices. <laughs> and I was so was close like, to sending an angry tweet. You know, I was so close well, to it, but I didn't I know. do it. And it's, the thing about it is, is like networking was my was my jam for like forever. So I, mm-hmm. I can't believe that I couldn't, I forgot that gigabit Ethernet is actually 1000 base T. Mm. And it's also 1,000 megabits, which is why it's called gigabit Ethernet. So yes. I believe so I they we have about- 10 gigabit. You, there was some confusion about 10, 100, or what yeah. the unit was, but there is 10 gigabit Ethernet, I believe. Do we have 100 gigabit yeah. Ethernet yet? Yeah, so I have a couple of customers with fiber fiber lines running into their houses or offices, houses, whatever. Mm. And they usually, when the telcos give them the service, they set it up as a, as a one gigabit uh, line. But they, what they do is they, they, they throttle it down to that but because yeah. they can yeah. sell them. It is actually a 10 gigabit line, but they, they, they want to make money by charging them even more and more money for opening up the pipe, as it were, right? Yeah, of course. But, yeah. I believe 100 gigabit is, oh, sorry, 100 gigabit is sort of in existence. They do have two 200, 400 things, but uh, yeah, okay. 100 is sort of coming up at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those around. Yeah, it's, I don't know, just, it's like, it's one of these things where I think it's more important for them to make money than to provide the service, which really irks me, you know. Uh, well, you know, they got to pay for all those uh, bits going through the wire. It's expensive. It's true. It's true. But then there's all that dark fiber, which you never hear about either, which is like lines that are doing nothing, you know? Yeah. Does that, I don't know where that is. That's in the cities that they thought would be booming or the neighborhoods and then they didn't. And now it's just like empty, empty yep. capacity sitting there but yep. I feel like yep. that doesn't exist in like places places where they actually need it anymore. I don't know. Well, in the early days of, of networking and stuff like that, you'd have, um, uh, I do remember like some services we had where we had like, I don't know if it was an ISDN line or something like that or a T1 or whatever, but we would have a, a, like a, a, a regulated amount of, of service that we were paying for, mm-hmm. but because there was nobody else on the line, we would actually, they would actually boost up to what we needed. That might have yeah. been ISDN, yeah. I think about it, you know? So, and, and just, they just kind of looked the other way and didn't say anything about it, but you know, then they realized, oh wait, there's money, there's money on the table here, you know, hmm. and then, then they yeah. started clamping down. Just, I'm talking like 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? So back when nothing worked. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, digging in. Do we have any Ask MTJC? I guess we should ask Jaime if we have Ask uh, uh, Jaime has messaged me and said, no, we do not. And I just did the search as well. And uh, we do not. So you can confirm that? Okay. All yeah. right. You can't trust yeah, them, so, we, so I confirmed it. So we're just, uh, we have some follow-up items on the big uh, event and stuff like that. So there, I found a, um, an article which can sort of consolidate them, which is the second one I have here, where it says Apple Loop. Um, and then the headlines are, you know, like new, new iPhone power problems, uh, expensive MacBook Air launched um apple confirmed beauty filter so that, and there's why that's follow up is we you know we we i think we knew about that apple had already patched the the beauty filter thing we talked about i think two three weeks ago right on the uh iphone 10r mm-hmm. yeah, i think so all the 10 uh the new 10 all, series they're all guilty of it yeah i believe it's anything that does the sort of super smart hdr on the front-facing camera which i think is all the new devices so right not yeah, just the 10r yeah. but the 10s and the 10s max as well and i posted some samples on my twitter feed of a young lady at work that volunteered 
volunteered to smile at me while I took pictures of her. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, you can. So it's funny though. She was showing me some of the pictures she had on her on her own tan, which is not a. Oh, I heard, I heard another uh, interesting um, thing from Randy Ritchie. I'm going to scroll to the bottom here. He coined the uh, ten class phone, ten class iPhone. So that's what we'll call them from now on. Mm, but then or sometimes class. I want to differentiate the ten original ten from the this year's devices. Well, I think when he was that. talking about whether it's like 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 separating from the eights and the nines, there's no nine, but you know, you know, what I mean, the older the older phones, right? No, no, what you mean the the ones with the notch, basically. But I also want to separate this year's phones, and there's no good way to say that except to say like That's the true. S and the R. So well, the S they have the ten S, right? The S is the, the S. But the, the, I want to complete the I want to include the R sometimes as well. So I want to say like anyway. That's true. There's no you good way to say it. I don't think. Or if yeah. there is, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC <laughs> and say what do you call it? Or I, I say the I say the ten series of devices too that cover like again yeah. anything with a notch or the depth sensor. But um, sometimes I want to include again the S and the R's, the S's and the R rather. And I want so you know if somebody actually it. did do that, then we would have some Ask MTJC for future episodes. Mm. Well, that's why I'm soliciting. Tim, Tim, you're giving it away. That's why I'm soliciting oh, specific sorry. questions. Yeah. Answer sure Sean Marston replied to us about something recently too. Hmm. But he didn't put Nothing Ask came MTJC. up though. Maybe he didn't do the hashtag. I don't know. I didn't see anything. Yeah, though. I think he. I think he just tweeted us directly. Okay. Uh, oh, it's about. Uh, I'll come back. It'll come back to me. Anyway, so yeah, so um, coming back to this. So an interesting thing about the Mac, most expensive or the expensive MacBook Air launch. Well, somebody tweeted, I think yesterday or the day before, that they had the prices of the last three or four years of iPhone, uh, sorry, MacBook Air releases, mm-hmm. and this is actually the cheapest, hmm. least ex- least expensive, I should say, at ninety nine nine ninety nine, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm. the original was like seventeen ninety nine, and then all the way down to I think last year was eleven ninety nine. So this, in fact, is not the most expensive MacBook Air. It's the, actually the least expensive, and then you know factor in inflation and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm, that's always oh, a bit yeah. of a well. I was going to say it's a bit of a cheat. It's not really a cheat, but really, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Twi- I don't know. They, they still sell the old old MacBook Air for nine ninety nine. So there is still something that, to get you in the door at nine ninety nine. But yeah, the base model for the well, new, new MacBook Air nine ninety nine though is what I'm saying. I'm sorry? Right? Isn't it? Isn't no, no, no. The, no, no, no. They still no the new the base model for the new thing that they released is eleven U S dollars eleven ninety nine. Eleven ninety nine. Okay. But they still sell the old one for nine ninety nine. So you can still get into a Mac. You know what would it take to get you into this MacBook Air today at the sales lot. Uh, you can still get in the door for nine ninety nine, but it's the old model. Yeah, see, so, you know, I'm trying to find my tweets. Where's my likes? Oh, go to that. If they go to another tool like an animal. Hang on one sec. Do, 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 as Jaime would say. I'm tempted. I do have a 12-inch MacBook, MacBook 1, MacBook Adorable, whatever you want to call it, and I really do like it, and this sort of appeals to me because it still has the headphone jack. Mm-hmm. It has two USB-Cs, and, or sorry, rather Thunderbolt 3. It has two right. of them now, and it's exactly the keyboard I wanted. A real escape key, real function keys with yep. a touch ID at the end of it. That is like exactly what I wanted. And this one has it. So I'm like tempted to get it and maybe I'll see what they do with the MacBook Pros if something like this, if mm-hmm. they decide the touch bar is no good and they want to get rid of it or they want to give an option like this, uh, I would be very interested. But this is uh, this is pretty tempting to upgrade my uh, 12-inch MacBook. Cool. Well, coming back to the real-time follow-up um, mm. kind of thing, uh, it was actually Rene Ritchie himself who basically posted the prices of first generation 2008 was $17.99. That was the one that I talked about with the goofy USB trap door, like a yes. James Bond kind of door. Yeah. Um, and then there was a second generation in 2011, and that was for 12.99, which was eventually re- reduced to uh, in 2014 to, to 9.99. That's where I was thinking about 9.99. And the mm. third generation is this one today or last week at 11.99. 11.99. So, yeah. So originally at launch, it, to his point, you know, just in case you thought it was the most expensive uh, Mac ever. Ah, okay. I would. Yeah. Okay. I'm, th- I'm I'm thinking to myself, who would think that? But okay. Um, that's well, true. I mean, Not I've heard, 
people say, oh, no, it's like a thousand bucks for, you know, can't get a computer under a thousand dollars. I've heard people say that recently to me. Like, yeah, in the that last is week true. Or so. I think the era of like a thousand dollar Mac is like in recent memory, not like, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so it's only recently that you could get into it. I think that's why the Mac, well, the Mac is so Mini popular. is 799 to start, right? Oh, uh, that's true. That's different though. I mean, I've, I guess we should clarify and say portables, you know, you want to walk out the door Go, instead of the coffee yeah. shop with a portable. Oh, it's got, it comes with a monitor and come keyboard and, and trackpad-y kind of thing. So yeah, that's yeah, a Yeah, plus computer. I don't know. I don't know how many people are buying desktops these days anyway. Uh, I think no, laptops would do are that? pretty much taken over the world. Yeah, I know. Laptops are pretty much taken over the world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, like, yeah, like our whole our whole office is laptops. I'm sure yours is too, right? So Yes. We do have a Mac Mini that we use as, like, our build server. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, I guess one Does person it have has a There's an iMac on the desk of somebody. I don't know. I'm, afraid, I'm not really sure who, but somebody has an <laughs> iMac on their desk. Oh, that's uh, true. I have an yeah. iMac upstairs. I should talk, right? Mm. Okay. Anyway, so those are the, the things. Uh, iPhone power problems. I don't know. I vaguely remember something about that. Oh, the iPhone 8. Or, I no. Uh, was it the thing oh, about when you plug in the lightning, it doesn't charge? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was with the new devices. I don't remember. I think whatever it is what got fixed with the latest point release. Point release? It has something to do with the security, where now if you plug in like some weird USB, or not weird, if you plug in a mm-hmm. USB the peripheral into your phone while the phone is locked, it won't let it connect until you unlock it and say like, trust, or not trust, um, allow this device, or you might have to replug. Uh, I think that was interfering with just plugging in power. And so mm-hmm. sometimes they would think it was like, oh, this is like a storage device. I can't allow it because I'm locked and it would not charge the phone. Um, I think a lot of time it was probably the cable's fault or the power brick. If you weren't using an Apple official one, then like sometimes they do the signaling a little bit differently and it would not detect it as just a charging device. So it would just not um, not connect the pins. But I think that's been fixed. Uh, I don't know. I don't use the official Apple stuff, so I, I never ran into it. Right, right. Um, the next article here is from... Uh, Jaime was all excited about the, you know, the fact that they're, they're made out of recycled aluminum, you know, bits that they scraped off the floor after producing the iPads <laughs> with a CNC machine. Mm. But it turns out that this article says Apple's recycled machine Macs aren't quite what they seem. Mm. And it covers sort of that sort of right to repair thing that I've been talking about in the last couple of weeks as well, that um, uh, aluminum or aluminum, as I like, like to call it up here, mm-hmm. is probably the, the easiest thing to recycle. In fact, um, your your desktop machine may in fact already, I mean, we've been recycling aluminum for a long, long time, right? Mm. Uh, you may have a Mac or whatever made out of pop cans sitting on your desk right now because uh, it's that that uh, that thing. And, and I, talk, I mentioned last week that that bauxite, which is the the, pro, the thing that produces aluminum, they make it from, is um, that's the, how it naturally occurs. Quebec is one of the biggest uh, bauxite, you know, I don't know reserves or whatever mm-hmm. um, in the in the world. And but apparently, according to this article, bauxite is actually very difficult, like very toxic to um, to dig up in the first place, right? So the recycling is good in that sense, but uh, the article goes on to point out that there are other things that, that um, uh, by talking about, I, I mean, positioning the fact that they're using recycled aluminum to make them sound like they're really green is maybe not, you know, it's kind of a bit aluminum washing, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> see what you did there. Or whitewashing or whatever, but because, yeah, the, the, the right to repair people were talking about, again, the, you know, the fact that when they do actually go to break these machines down, you know, it usually goes to, you know, um, third country third party countries like Taiwan and uh, what's the other one they mentioned, you know, where they, they're now breaking out and dealing with all the, the relatively toxic stuff to, to break down uh, when you recycle these things, right? So it's not that great a story or not great that great a point. It just looks cool on the slide, I guess, right? What do you think about that? Mm, I think the... <laughs> 
I uh, I don't know. There's some kind of stuff at the end of this uh, medium post here that I don't really want to get into. But it, I think they are using. I think using 100% recycled aluminium is a thing. Like yes, yeah. probably traditionally it was like 70. I don't know what the number. I'm just making up number. 75% recycled and 25% mm-hmm. new, and sure. they're going to 100% recycled. So I right. think that's a good thing. I guess this article is like, yeah, it's good, but it's not great. That seems to be the tone here. Like yeah, Apple should be doing more because it's like they're the richest. Co- Everyone loves this. They're the richest company. Surely they can do even more which is true i guess we should always hold ourselves and companies that we like to uh high standards so i think that's fine but i don't quite see the i don't know if he's like implying this like there's some kind of deception or some kind of fakery or like it's not actually that big a deal i think it's a big deal to say mm-hmm. we are not mining any fresh ore we're using sure. all recycled i think that's a right, pretty right. big deal so again i think yeah you know a company like apple you're always going to be like oh yeah you did this but what about the next thing you did 100 what about 105 you know you do yeah. what like there's always something next which is great and we should keep pushing on it but i think it's also important to uh not be too negative and to sort of celebrate the victory so i do think it's a big deal i don't um i'm just kind of scrolling through it quickly but um i don't really see what the what is the maybe you can you, you can tell me what is the complaint like what is the well, trickery he, what the, is the not honest well, part the, of 100 the right to repair thing is the fact that that they're not i, I guess like you know I, well so here let's let's go way back in time like if you had a if you had a mac 2cx or mac 2cr or, or a Quadra 700, you could pretty much dis- disassemble it and reassemble it with one screwdriver. Like you mm-hmm. had, and you'd remove two screws to, to take the whole thing apart. Uh, but then I, I think what they're talking about is like, you know, now, you know, you can't go into a MacBook and, you know, like back then they used to solder RAM onto your logic board to fix it if you had a problem, right? They would desolder it and solder on a new chunk of RAM, right? That used to happen all the time, like on the old Apple II computers and stuff like that, right? But now with all these new multi-layer logic boards and, you know, very proprietary parts the only way to recycle them is actually to disassemble them and in cases of like you know it's like kids sitting on the side of a beach with a fire and and you know melting the solder and and uh, thankfully they're not using lead solder anymore but you know and and breathing in these toxic fumes you know uh, things like in the article he talks about lithium uh, lithium in the batteries and uh, cobalt and a few other things that are that are you know not safe things to play around with right so mm-hmm. and and so when you disassemble i mean what are you gonna do like you you have to have a lithium battery to basically have you can either have it last all day or not use lithium you know like it's yeah. it's kind of a tough tough call there right so yeah we'll okay, I'm, I'm reading a couple more paragraphs here and i think one point is that if you if like i just decide to go out and buy a whole bunch of aluminum i would be buying probably 75 percent recycled aluminum anyway, anyway like that's yeah. just what's out there but yeah. apple is making a commitment to make it 100 percent, which again i think is like that's going above what you would buy and they're saying i don't know if it's more expensive or more difficult to source or whatever but they're mm-hmm. making the effort so i would say all right check mark there and then the other thing sure. is that um, the aluminum that they sort of, when they shave, when they carve out their MacBooks and they have the leftover, they're not actually mm-hmm. using that directly. But instead, they're probably selling it off to somebody else and then they'll melt recycle it. Back it. Down and sells it back to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And melt it back down. So I'm like, okay, that's still good though, isn't it? They're not like throwing it away in the landfill or something like that. But then the, the line here says, it's not creating incentives to dramatically increase the amount of recycled aluminum on the market. That seems mm. like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, why, why is it Apple's job to like make incentives to make more 
recyclable. Aren't they already like, doing should, that? Should we they're have a deposit saying, on our MacBooks and and you know little ladies in, in shopping carts can go around and pick up our laptops and if they're already saying we're only going to buy 100% recycled, isn't that yeah. already an incentive for the market to produce it? Whereas this article says that it's not creating incentives to dramatically, maybe that's it, dramatically oh, increase well, the amount of recyclable. Yeah. I, I think I think I think the point is that of all of the things that go into making these devices, yes, choosing focusing on aluminum is like the least okay it's like low-hanging you know, fruit it's like there's a lot of nitrogen in the air so we're using ni- all the nitrogen you're using only 100 percent air with nitrogen in it you know yeah but it's like one of those reverse he's reversing the argument i guess to make it sound like it's not that big a deal but i don't know okay i'm again we should we should always push for more things i just uh, i just don't like the uh, how about how about we just suggest that people look at the article and make yes. their own decision how about that? i am always suspicious of articles that like to stir up things and say yeah. like they could be doing this other thing and it's like yeah anyway yeah so speaking of articles stirring up things i posted one here <laughs> that, that, that our friend chris wagner pointed out to me and that is a, and it's a psa that uh, ios app store is no longer listing all in-app purchases yes and uh, is that a thing now because i thought it was a real no i put pre- real time oh, pre before the show even begins follow-up updates uh that same article so i posted the, i just noticed i posted the same link they had a uh, update as of november 1st saying that um it was a bug oh okay it has been repaired yeah because i think chris and and um jeff i think were, and i were on twitter talking about it and um and uh yeah we we kind of woohooed it was back you know again because again like it just seemed odd that why would they why would they hide in-app purchases kind of an important point about the the, the what i like to call the get stuff the free stuff right well if you read the article which they you know they updated at the end but they left the i think they left most of the original article at the top and if you read it it's like there's some good reasons why you might want to hide it i kind of i can see it i wouldn't agree with it but i'm like all right these are some reasonable reasons i guess they said things like uh, like a lot of times when you drill down and you look at an app's in-app purchases it's like it includes some that aren't actually active seemingly like they're like Mm. you know sale subscription regular subscription uh special price subscription upgrade subscription like they have all like they have like a lot of some of them at least have a lot of options but they're not all actual um in-app purchases that are active at the moment but maybe they're like you know for legacy reasons or something like that um so Hmm. i can see why you might want not want to show all of them maybe they should be ranked by pop i don't know how you would do it they're like maybe the developer should be able to pick which ones to show uh so i don't know but anyway in any case not showing Hmm. the in-app purchases on the app store was a bug and is apparently back yeah i do remember back in the day when i was doing in-app purchases you kind of sort of had to list them all you had to go in and create ones that you might use in your app i think it's what you're trying to say right and then but then they would only like you'd have to reach a certain level before they would become available to you or whatever right uh or you can enable and disable them but they you had to go in and had to set them up before you released your app if i remember correctly right or before you believe you had to before you submitted yeah and they had to be approved in the early days right yeah it was part of the the review process yeah Yeah, yeah, that's still the case you can't adjust that stuff maybe you can adjust the pricing like you can adjust the pricing of an app after it's been approved yeah Uh, yeah. maybe that's there i'm 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 not sure i don't uh i don't think i've worked on an app with in-app purchase for a long time to be honest so i don't know what it's like anymore but there's 1600 gems for 9.99 or sorry Mm. 99.99 does that does that really is that a really good price i wonder you know those are some I don't know, really I mean, useful you know when gems. You're grocery shopping and you look at the price of something and it and it breaks down to what the unit price is and you can sort of compare with mm. should I get the bottle with a hundred things in it or a bottle with two hundred fifty things and you know yep you, you do the math and sort of so you end up buying more pills than you need because the per pill price was cheaper. <laughs> yeah, I have the same same problem with the uh, the Poke coins in Pokemon Go. Um, oh, do you? That's like yeah. You do the math before you buy the before you make your decision. I mean, I just I, I don't want to spend money on the on a game, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> me either. I, I'm, I'm right. 
right there with you. All right. Um, so, hey, Greg, you posted something here about a about the Samsung stuff. Did you go yeah. to the Samsung event today? Yeah, or? the Samsung Developer Conference is at our old stomping grounds of Moscone West here in mm. San Francisco. Yeah. So I was... Um, Did you have to line it for the keynote overnight and stuff like that? Or? <laughs> so I have a friend who works at Samsung. He does uh, camera and VR kind of things. And um, so he sure, managed Mark, to... by the way, at Moscone West. Oh, see? So it's got some memories there. Uh, so he managed to get us in with some passes and um yeah it's two days it's today and tomorrow but just pre- i mean I'm, I'm not a android developer i don't do stuff with samsung or anything like that but uh there were some talks in the afternoon about uh, ar and some camera things and um you know just, i was just like well they it's not quite like wwdc like they did have talks but the large you know it was more like a i don't know like a trade show or something like they had a, you know right on the floor two levels they just had like a whole bunch of booths about samsung people and third-party stuff um so i was like oh you know i can at least spend the afternoon walking around so i spent the just the afternoon uh went to a couple of the talks and then just kind of walked around and see what they had uh, but i think the big announcement from the morning from the keynote which i didn't watch but i read afterwards was this um foldable phone did you see this uh, article or any pictures of this tim i do i don't see the pictures i just clicked on it to see what i could see but yeah if you click on the thing that i posted there there should be some pictures uh like a little diagram of how it works yeah i heard somebody talking about a foldable phone maybe maybe this was this this just came out today or just or was announced today yeah oh, really um, so i was there on the floor and i was like where's the foldable phone they're like oh we don't have any i was like oh come on like i was hoping there would at least be a glass box with the phone in there and i could like stare at it uh, but they didn't yeah. have that so that was kind of like oh you know maybe take a page from apple and like have something to show have something to demo that was yeah that was yeah. a shame i think with, with a guy with a you know apple logo on his shirt standing there looking awkward yeah yeah it was too bad but if you look at the pictures um i think these are so the pictures are like super low maybe this is early too they haven't released press photos well, or 2014 but, concept it says here right so ah uh, yeah the the one photo was the apparently they demoed this yeah back then and then you can see like hmm. what the uh, anyway the photos at the top are like I think like somebody with a camera took a picture of the screen and you can kind of see the idea there so it's as you think it's a fo- it's a phone that folds in half so imagine like a iPad mini uh, with the full screen but you can like fold it in half and then just see half of the screen and then it knows it's folded and it turns off the other side and that kind of thing hmm. um, so yeah interesting uh, interesting stuff Android has support apparently for this kind of thing um, I guess it's basically like I don't know if you like a Nintendo DS or something like that that has two screens and then you know one can they're independent of each other so Android apparently right. has support for this kind of thing already um, hmm. so yeah some interesting device stuff that was also part of the reason I wanted to go to this thing even though I don't have anything to do with Android or Samsung was like what are they up to is there anything like considering my line of work that I might want to see and it seemed like everything there was like camera 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 AR VR which I think they call XR which is super confusing because you have like Samsung XR but then when you're in the iPhone it's world you say 10R <laughs> Exactly. So it's driving us crazy oh. to kind of say things correctly. But I believe XR is what Samsung's like AR is, like experience. Right, right, I don't right. know. Um, so yeah, they had some interesting things about, um, they apparently have their own little VR goggle, kind of like the Oculus. Right. And some folks were demoing that. Um, there's this HoloLab thing, Holo, like hologram kind of holo. I remember Microsoft had like a HoloLens or something like that. But this is like, mm-hmm. you go into this very super well-lit room and there's like 80 cameras arranged around you and you stand right. in the middle and they take like a photograph from all angles and it builds right. a 3d model of yourself that you can like 3d print so they they are going to eventually send me the file once it's all processed mm-hmm. and i'll have a little model of myself that i can 3d print so nice. in my line of work at the company we do the same thing but just with your face so i was just kind of interested oh. to see what the technology was 
like. Yeah, um, I keep meaning to, yeah. to go and get one, get a, a 3D portrait made from one of these places. I thought you got that already. Don't you have a 3D mm, printed I, thing well, of yourself? I have, I have me sitting in a chair from like way back when, but mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. uh, what else did we see? We played some video games. They had Fortnite running on the thing, which I finally got to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the wearable stuff. Their watches are round, not uh, <laughs> rectangular. Yeah. And I got to try the Samsung stylus or pen or whatever you call it. Spen. Spen. <laughs> they had a uh, coloring app that I got to try um, with their style. I don't, I'm not, I don't think the stylus is new. I just had, you know, me personally, I have never tried it. Mm-hmm. I got to try it. It felt a little squishy, but they had a very interesting, which I do remember, like a hover effect. So it was like a drawing app and they had the, you know, brush, pencil, crayon, whatever along the left, but it was just the icons. And when you like hover the stylus over the screen, just like mm-hmm. hovering a mouse, a little tooltip comes up and says the word pencil, crayon, you know, watercolor or whatever. Um, I was like, oh, I really like that. You know, the hover thing. That was kind of cool. But the pen at the tip of it, it was like a little tip, like really, really fine point, like a pin at the end of it. But the pin would like push in. So it was like using pressure as well. So when you're like drawing on the screen and you have this little plastic pin that's like going in and out, it, it felt too squishy. I didn't like it. Um, so I think I, I'm more a fan of the Apple Pencil style where it's just a solid block, you know, scraping against the glass. And then, um, but it's much smoother. This one, I don't know. I guess Apple, the Apple Pencil also has like pressure sensitivity, but it's just done in right. a different way. Whereas this thing is like, no, there's this little, you know, plastic nub at the end that actually physically moves in and out. And that's how they detect it, I guess. So I didn't like the feel of it as much, but it was just interesting to see. So, you know, checking out how the other half lives, it was uh, kind of an interesting survey of all of it. Cool. Hmm? Cool. So are we talking about your next one? You're going to make it a pick. Um, I don't know. You can decide because you have a I lot think, of stuff on here. So well, I don't so, want to... So, well, that's fine. We can talk about it. So, but uh, one, one question, though. I think we've talked about this before because we're talking about this iOS developer roadmap and guide guideline on... Greg posted here on a guideline on, on what you need to do to be, if you want to be an iOS developer. But the, the skills matrix at the bottom. Yeah. Right. I, I know we've talked about this particular chart so i just did a search and i don't see it anywhere uh well i don't know if we, we may not have put in the show yes yes it's here ios developer oh it's it's from a medium blog post though this is from really episode 200 okay oh wait so yes the, the same all right so the same guy wrote a um yeah a blog po- a pretty short blog post okay so yes we you have talked about the skills matrix already but there's some extra thing in this repository yeah so, so once you get once you explain what the repository is about all right so the next i don't how you're going to edit this. <laughs> well, no, I just, we'll just, we, that's it. We'll just continue our conversation. All right. All right. We'll, it, we'll the made, part we just said. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this article that we talked about and it's a, um, the fuller thing. So I have a friend here who's, um, doing a job search, looking around, interviewing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a more junior guy. So I think he would have found this thing. It's called the iOS developer roadmap roadmap to becoming an iOS developer in 2018. And it's like a skill matrix. If anybody played civilization, back in the old days and the whole mm-hmm. one of the big I don't know big the thing that people liked some people liked about it if you have a certain um, kind of personality type was the, the tech tree they call it right you research right. A and B and that means it leads to C which leads to this and eventually you get like nuclear fusion at the end of it right. um, so this there's a diagram here if you click on the GitHub link with like a similar thing where it's got like you in the middle I'm just trying mm-hmm. to click on it to make it the larger brain, the brain diagram or whatever you call it uh, a mind map is that what you mean mind, something like yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah and it's like starts with you and it's like, what are the CS things you might want to know? What are the practical things you might want to know? And under practical things, it's like threading. What are the things about threading you should know? You should know NS operation. You 
application, you know, dispatch, um, grand central dispatch APIs and so on. And so it's this interesting sort of plan of study, maybe. And then uh, I think he also has some suggestions here about like, how do you learn this stuff? So if you're like, okay, on this branch of the tree, I already know all of this kind of thing, but I'm weak on this other branch of the tree. So there's also another uh, link. You can see this on the uh, on the page where mm-hmm. many of the topics are links to other things. So for example, you're like, um, I'm a Swift expert, but I don't know enough about Objective-C. And still, there's still a lot of Objective-C day-to-day, even if you're writing in Swift, like under the hood. So you're like, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I knew more about like, you know, KVO or KVC. So KVC is like on the map and you click on KVC or KVO. I always mix them up, but I shouldn't. They're different things. You click on KVC and there's like two articles that tell you about it. So when you look at this map, then you can decide what topics you want. And then he has links to resources to help you learn about those things. So it's mm-hmm. a pretty uh, handy reference, I think, if you are um, either already experienced in iOS or you're a junior person, or even if you're a senior person, you want to browse through and see what sort of things people think you should know, or this one particular person thinks you should know. Uh, it's a nice resource. And it's got lots of diagrams, which I always like, because you know you see a lot of blog posts and there's just a lot of text, but this has the skills matrix, which we've already talked about. There's a nice chart, which I like. And the mind map style diagram is just you know nice to look at, and it's nice to visualize things like that. Um, so yeah, that's for people who want to learn more about iOS in 2018 and uh, expand your skills. I have a question for you, though. So you and I both come at it from from a different place. We didn't start as computer science knowledge people or whatever, mm. or the practical knowledge stuff we learned as we learned the, the things you need to know for iOS. Mm-hmm. But where do you, how, do, how does somebody who doesn't fit into the, that paradigm fit into this chart? Do you still start from the U position and work your way out? Or what do you think? I think, uh, let me look at the kind of, not manifesto, but who is this for? So the first point mm-hmm. says, who is this for? Anybody who wants to become an iOS developer. And then it's like iOS developers who want to become experts and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. So if this is for people who want to get started, then, I mean, you look at the, if you imagine as a tree, if you imagine you, the iOS developer, as like the root of the tree or the head of the tree, well, I've, I've forgotten, I, you know, interviews, who knows, um, you at the head and then on the left branch is the computer science knowledge and on the right branch is practical knowledge as, uh, mm-hmm. as this is labeled. The computer science knowledge is like very short. There's only like 10, 15 items on there. True. Whereas the practical knowledge side has like, I don't know, 50 things on there. So the tr- this is not a balanced tree for sure. Mm-hmm. And probably um, if you're just getting started in it, I don't know. I don't want to say this is going to scare you off, but I think this is nice to look at in the sense of like, what are all the things out there? That's the, is it the Dunning-Kruger effect? The one where like beginners are beginners, but then as they learn, they think they're like the smartest people and they call themselves experts after a year. And then after a year and a half, they realize that they know nothing. And then their perceived knowledge of themselves goes down and then it kind of comes back up. I'll post a link to a chart of these things. Um, So maybe this is useful for a beginner to look at this and say, "I I hope not to get discouraged, but to say like, yes, this is a very complicated field um and there's a lot in there but uh, to kind of your question the computer sciencey stuff on the left side is, it's not that much it's only like 10 to 15 well even things. even the stuff on the other side i mean there's if, you, if i go into any I'm, I'm glad to see the memory management part there's there and the mm. arc is just one of the four branches that you need to mm. know about five branches mm-hmm. you need to know about right because you need to know stack and heap and you need to know value versus reference reference type and you need to know retain cycles and memory leaks right yeah um or just i always ask people in well, 
well, maybe I shouldn't say this out loud, but in interviews, well, you know, whatever. Uh, I always ask people to explain to me how memory management works on iOS. And I hmm. want, the question is, is open-ended enough that they can either go, well, it's all handled by Arc and whatever. And then, mm-hmm. then I can dig into, well, what about, you know, how was it done before? And, and, and how is Arc changing that, you know, kind of thing, right? Right, yeah. Um, but, it, and if you look at the top of the very thing, he's got like, he's got languages and he's got Swift and Objective-C split out. And then mm-hmm. Objective-C, all, all he's concerned about, in, according to this, is runtime and blocks for Objective-C. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, initializers, protocols, structs and enums for uh, Swift, whereas, but there's a lot of depth in those two languages that, that you know, gets kind That's of That's true. Covered, I mean, no you know? chart is going to be perfect. I'm not saying this is like the one true thing no, 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 to no. look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're not saying that either, I know. I, but, um... I guess if you're starting out learning iOS in 2018, you would surely learn Swift. Is that like mm-hmm. under dispute? I guess people will always argue about anything, but is that sort of pretty much accepted advice and knowledge? I think so. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, it depends. It depends on on like if if again any new project, I would I would recommend using Swift. But you know, mm-hmm. like in in our place, we still have a code base of Objective C, and we still have some frameworks that are still Objective C. And if you need to right. tweak or reference them or whatever, right, you kind of sort of need to know what those square brackets are for. And you know, <laughs> yeah, for oh, sure. But yeah. if you spent a whole year learning Swift, and then next year you, I don't know, you find a job and you work somewhere, yeah. and you think about what parts of Objective C would you really, really need to know if you can only pick a couple of things, like not counting the yeah. syntax, because if you know Swift and you look at Objective C, you're like, all right, I kind of recognize it. Square brackets. Oh, I see. That's how like you call a method. And all right, fine, I kind of get it. And they have dot syntax and properties access and things like that. Yeah. But blocks, uh, I don't know. It seems like a weird one to put. Maybe like blocks. Like block syntax is weird, but blocks themselves are like closures, so that yeah. seems like a strange one to have on there. Runtime, mm-hmm. I would say that's a pretty good choice. You should know what's going on if you call a Swift method. Like it could be using normal switch, or not normal, but the sort of default Swift, um, you know, v, v table dispatch to call things, or it could be going through the Objective C runtime. So I think that's right. a, yeah. that's an important one to do. What else would you put up there if you had somebody well, who just you has, coming back to you know, your, to answer your question though, which there was a question in there, but um, it just ironically, I just discovered in my locker. I was digging through like some of the lumps in my locker today, and, and I discovered that I left my Objective C book from the Big Nerd Ranch in my mm-hmm. locker because uh, we had uh, we had Mikey Ward up training, and I had him autograph the book for me. But um, that's what I would do if if I had a developer, and I did do that recently. I had a young developer who um, was just come was just joining us, and you know she went through the whole Swift training and stuff like that, and, and she she realized we have Objective C, and she said, "Well, can I what can I use what can I do to learn?" I said, "Just you know go through this book." I mean. Mm. And it's a book you can do in two or three days, maybe a week at tops, you know, kind of thing. Um, and and you get a good grounding in Objective C, right? So mm. I don't expect you to, you know, know the ins and outs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's a good introduction, right? So yeah, yeah. So. We don't have any Objective C, I don't think, in the current app that I'm working on. Yeah. So yeah, I've forgotten a lot of it. It's kind of hard to. Well, you know, um, I think we have some third-party framework that we never touch, but it is Objective C. So I do have to look yeah. at it sometimes, I guess, yeah. but not not very often at all. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to become an iOS developer, if you want to increase your skills or maybe if you're preparing for interviews then it's a pretty cool resource so i think um yeah i'd suggest it that almost sounds like a pick but it's not well <laughs> we'll call it a pick well my, uh, when i first went started going back for interviews you know back in 2014 or so i was surprised by some of the questions i was asked in interviews right so yeah. um you know I, I reached out to Hyman and sort of said what am i what, what am i doing wrong and he sort of said oh you need to read the, the coding interview book or whatever it was i, can't mm, I didn't read yeah. it but, you didn't read it it's pretty good yeah no, no I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I think I have a copy, but I just haven't gone through it. Um, so the next thing I posted here is a really interesting one, and uh, it's from the people at iFixit. 
they posted a thing about helium. Does helium break iPhones? It was this weird thing that was happening in, in hospitals where they were using uh, iPhones in this one particular place and they had just installed a brand new CAT scanner, I think, or they were in the process of installing it. And helium is involved in, in the process, right? And they couldn't figure out why only the iPhones stopped working. Like they would get bricked. Like they couldn't turn on, they were unresponsive, you know, and, but the Android phones were fine. There was nothing wrong with them. Turns out that there's a a chip that the that, or the thing that Apple puts into the pro, into the processors that is is the clock basically right. And I forget the, the element here, but helium makes that thing stop working. And so if your phone is exposed, so they they do a test where they take a helium balloon and they put the phone in and they have it turned on and they fill the balloon the the, the bag up with helium. And sure enough, the the iPhone turns off and then it's pretty much bricked right. And uh, uh, fear not, folks, but because you can leave the phone for three or four days and it'll eventually the helium will dissipate and, and uh, the phone will, will turn back on again and whatever. But it was just an interesting sort of weird bug. It just ha- happens to be um, iPhones only that, that use this particular particular uh, uh, type of clock that is susceptible to helium. Hmm. Weird, eh? That is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Although, how much helium are we talking? Like, do you have to like take it oh, into like the a, surface like a of balloon, the sun? Like, a, like, a, like, you know, like one of those party balloons you get with, you know, the happy anniversary kind of thing. Like, right. The, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not she, I don't think she put, I don't she I don't think she like she she opened up the balloon and leaked it into like a Ziploc bag and it wasn't a ton it wasn't a t- it was not very it wasn't very much I mean you know okay. a couple of ounces let's say or okay yeah it wasn't like the balloon didn't completely deflate right so mm. yeah it's just an interesting little little bug hmm. okay. um, mm-hmm. so this was interesting this got posted I think Monday morning um, to Wednesday November seventh which we're recording today but Apple basically canceled um, a large chunk of the assembly line for iPhone uh, 10R because people aren't buying it apparently and of course you know it made the stock dive which is like, means it's a great time to go buy Apple stock by the way um, mm, but we're not financial advisors and uh, no, we may own stock ourselves or whatever. And we just we, play them on TV for entertainment purposes only so you do, yeah I bought some stock let's put it that way um, not a lot but anyway um, it's expensive man uh, you anyway. may or may not have bought some stock recently or not yes yeah, yeah I can neither firm, confirm nor deny but yeah it was interesting that, that Apple uh, decided to that, that, that this is the but Mind you, like how long has the 10R been out? It's been like about like a couple of weeks, right? So I think it's a little early for the naysayers to freak out about it. But it was it, certainly an interesting reversal compared to last year, where the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus came out first, and the iPhone 10, like the yeah. super, the expensive, fancy one, came out second. And then yeah. they're like, is that going to depress demand for the 8? What's going to happen? And this year they reversed it. They came out with the expensive ones first, the S and the S 10s Max, and then the cheaper phone came out second. Maybe it was a ploy. Maybe the the 10 is a ploy for Apple to sell iPhone 8s. I don't know. I don't know. It's just interesting. <laughs> I heard theories both ends that really? they're like, oh, they're. Do- I mean, last year it was like, oh, they're you know they want to create more pent up demand, and then this year they're like, oh, they want us to spend more money on the expensive one, and the cheaper one's going to come later, so that the true believers will buy the expensive one and not the cheaper one. So I don't know. The theories are kind of all over the place. So I, I like I don't know why did they reverse it? Was it production issues? Who knows? Um, I don't think anybody has said for sure. Or is it like a grand strategy from Tim Cook? Um, I don't know. But uh, I'll echo my same thing about people 
liking to, I mean, that's, that's what we do on the podcast too. People liking to find little things and complaining about them on Apple. But it does say that Apple told one of the makers to stand by. I'll highlight that. Stand by for rush orders. And then they decided, no, we don't need that anymore. So yeah, saying they like cancel the production boost. I don't know. That seems a little, you know, clickbaity, uh, going a little over the top. I don't know. Well, to your if point say, there, it could have been, it could have been that Apple was just being proactive with their, their supply chain saying, you know, this could be very important. So be prepared. Yeah, right? like rightfully so, right? You say, we are going to order, you know, please make a thousand phones a week. Or I'm just making up numbers. I don't know how many. Uh, please make a thousand phones a week. We may call you to make 2,000 phones a week if it comes to it. And then so they started ready. production. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then they said, no, we're good. Keep up with a thousand, please. And it's like, oh my God, Apple cancels boost. Everything is doomed. doomed. They're doomed. You know, oh my God. So yeah, I think it's a little, a little overblown. It sounds like that's what it was. They, but it's they, funny that the market reacted that way. Like the stock went down like twenty, thirty dollars, something like that. It's like a lot. well, you never know if it. Well, I don't know. Was it because of this though, or it could have been? A, I mean, stocks have been crazy lately. Well, yeah, yeah maybe the, the election. Last, I don't know. That's Who knows true. What well, was, yeah, right? I think there was some some issues going on in um, China and Japan recently too. That might have there yeah. were some market fluctuations. Let's put that. I thought, a lot of things were down the last couple of weeks. Now you mention it, yeah, yeah. So but speaking, but of, it could also be what you know when there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe people aren't buying the 10R as much. True. And did everybody already buy the 10S and the 10S Max? Is the 10R too expensive? I don't know. There's still lots of things that could be happening there. But did you get a... I forget what your device update was, Tim. Uh, we got I a 10R at work, but you uh, got one for work or personal? I, I didn't buy any personal phones because I'm still suffering. I'm still hurting from buying the $1,000 uh, uh, iPhone 10 last year. But um, yeah, no, no. I, I So at work, we, we, bought, we hooked up a couple of uh, 10Ss, a couple of 10S Max, and we also bought an we, XR or 10R because... See, I keep saying that. 10R. Mm-hmm. Um, because you go work for Samsung. They would love it if you said XR. Sorry? You should go work for Samsung. If you said XR, you would fit right in because they have a thing called XR. But it's funny. I, was, I, just had a, I just had a dinner with, with uh, a, a large contingent of our Android team uh, yesterday. Uh, it was like a get-together and, and turned out I was the only member of the iOS team that went to break bread with these guys. Mm. And we were talking about the naming of the 10, you know, 10 or X or what is it. And, you know, somebody actually made a point to say if they wanted it to be 10R, they should have put one. They should have 10R. They shouldn't have gone with the X because because I, I didn't realize that that the Android side had the, had the XR as well. So it just kind of makes it uh, odd. It's a Samsung product. That's what they call AR because it's like better than AR. It's XR. That's all it is. Oh, extra R. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The English language is so flaky. Mm. Uh, but speaking of, uh, of things that are like that are, aren't working out, um, Stockholm has said no to Apple's giant town square uh, that they were going to install in their their biggest park cart garden, the Kunsten Garden, Kunstrad Garden. I'm going to let you say it. Thank yes. you. That sounds uh, good. Yeah, yeah. The King's Garden is what I guess what it means. Um, I'm just reading into, into the uh, the URL uh, spelling here. But um, so Stockholm has this this, this sort of um, I, it looks very similar to the Champs Elysees in Paris. You know, like it's a very grand you know space uh, gathering place for people. It's a gathering place. It even says that right in the article here. Um, in in the center of Stockholm, and Apple was planning to put, you know, one of their big, you know, stores that they, they like to put in with the big glass fronts, facades, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Stockholm had said, no, don't do it. Go somewhere else. So, unfortunately, that's uh, interesting. Interesting yeah, that hey, they push back. You always see both sides, right? It'd be nice for Apple to come in and, like, revitalize. 
revitalize the space or something. But on the other hand, it's yeah. like a town square. You want to keep it a public space, not have corporate interests coming in and taking over every little bit. So yeah, bit I don't know. It, yeah. I can see it both ways. Yeah. So there's some interesting here, uh, artist renderings, if you want to go and look at them to see what the, it would have looked like with Apple's store in it. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, I like it. I like it when, like, I've seen some of the ones that Apple's done in um, other places. Like, they have the one in, in Grand Central Station in New York, and I think there's some in Paris or whatever. There's actually a store on the Champs-Élysées where mm. they didn't change the look of the building, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so from an aerial view, you wouldn't know it's an Apple store. From, like, you know, a thousand yards away, you wouldn't know it's an Apple store. But when you're right on top of it, you, you definitely know, right? So, mm. you know, like, like the one they have at, in Union Square, they, they put that, you know, I'm, I'm sure they took down a building to put that one up, right? I don't the know what was there, there before, to be honest, but yeah. I don't yeah, know. I'd have to go back through my old photos, but yeah, because I used to go there every year for WWDC, but, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's a big one. And then the Palo Alto one, you know, it's a big store. I, yeah. I think I, I went to the Yorkdale store to look at Mark's, look for Mark's uh, Skydio. That um, is a huge store, yeah. Is the Microsoft it's, store still next door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I posted some pictures on the Slack of that. I don't know if you saw them. Uh, I've, been, I've been to the Yorkdale store, so I know it's big. Uh, I don't remember the pictures, though, but yeah, I know you were looking for the drone. And oh, it's super big. Around. I mean, like, you know, yeah. like in the Eaton Center, you're all crammed in and you're like trying to uh, hustle around to get yeah. from one end to Well, the you're other. out in the suburbs. They got more space out there, so. Yeah. Well, Yorkdale's got the, like, the, what, the 40 foot ceilings or whatever? It's crazy. I went and saw nice Bohemian story. Rhapsody at Yorkdale last week. That's why I was there. Mm. Oh, yeah. Also, it's Grand Central Terminal, just so people don't, ang- you know, angrily email in collection, uh, corrections. Isn't it Grand Real time follow up. Grand Central Station is the post, I don't know, the pedantic New Yorkers might email you and say, the Grand Central Station is actually the post office. The, you know, the train station is Grand Central yeah. Terminal. So you, you make it sound like people actually do listen to the show and would. People would, listen to the show and they might get angry and, you know, I don't know, New Yorkers, they can be angry sometimes. Us? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yes, uh, Grand Central Terminal <laughs> is what you're supposed to call it. Or just Grand Central. So if the angry, uh, angry New Yorkers want to get in touch with you, Greg, how would they do that? <laughs> they can find me on Twitter as, as T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. Oh, yeah. Thanks a yes. lot. <laughs> Mark R. at Smapsnob.com. <laughs> He's not here. He'll never know. He doesn't yeah. listen to this show. That's true. Um, all right. Moving on. Oh, so, yeah. So this is where where things get dark. Oh, uh, do you want to go to the picks or you want to do no, this? No, I want to do the algorithm <laughs> thing. Right. Okay. So, right. so okay. So I heard the, I heard about this on Spark Radio, which is an interesting story. But, but and of course, you know, the, the uh, clickbaity title is, is a bit a bit harsh. But it's talking about it, the, art, the, the episode of the Spark uh, podcast this week was bad algorithms making racist decisions. And so what it what the gist of it is, and it's kind of an interesting thing, is 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 a, a teacher who has written this blog post about you know how um, uh, you, you know what you know what red redlining is. You ever heard of redlining? Uh, right? In what context? Redlining means to to take um, something like you don't put any loan offices in a certain neighborhood that you don't want to get business. Mm-hmm. So you so you make it difficult for people of certain um, what's the proper word to say this uh, economic status mm. make it difficult for them to to take advantage of things right so what the, he's talking about is is that that there are advertisers now so this is a digital um or is this one oh no this the article i was talking about yeah digital redlining digital redlining yes exactly and um but uh he's talking about how um advertisers electronic advertisers because they can choose the demographics that they use in their in their algorithms to to display ads they could in theory block certain uh, races or genders or you know econo- people of economic status to to even see the ad and you would never know that they've done this i mean only the people on, who have the algorithm or are, are close to the to the service would know but mm. so it's kind of like it's that's what what digital when he's talking about digital 
Roy Lunny. He, and he talked about an example. He's a, so CBC's Nora Young, uh, host of the Spark, uh, asked the question, like, how did he discover this? And he said that he was he's a school teacher, and he found that um, that he noticed the way the kids did homework, right? And that some of the kids, you know, like you know, if you have access to the internet at home and all that kind of stuff, you can you can do the homework and have no problem. But some kids, parents, or or just couldn't afford internet at home and the school was filtering the internet so that they weren't give, weren't displaying the the complete results that you would get if you did like a google search or something and so that's how they found that there is a, a sort of a digital divide or, or financial divide between people who you know can afford to have internet at home and people who can't right so mm-hmm. and so that's when he started looking into this sort of idea that that uh even in like you know what we consider you know the united states to be a first world country there are you know, people who don't have access to that kind of stuff. I, I thought it was interesting from the point of view of like, you know, I always like to look at the ethics of what we do here um, in, in developing apps and things like that. And, and uh, you know, yeah, as Jaime likes to call them first world problems, right? But but the, the fact that we, you know, like we have use accessibility to make, you know, our apps accessible and our services accessible to, to persons, you know, who, are, who have disabilities, right? Um, but in this case here, it's 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 hardships, right? Like they don't have, they don't have access to the services they would need to take full advantage of something and but then also not that somebody's i'm not saying that somebody's gaming the system by by making their advertising unavailable to them but it just could be that it could be that yeah the, a decision could be made to do that one interesting thing he pointed out was was that amazon was using an ai to um, screen uh, job applications right and as you know and this is one of the dangers about using ai in 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 the future is because in order to model the 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 understanding that the ai tool uses to just determine information. You have to feed it data, right? And the data that they fed into this this Amazon AI or the AI to, to screen these resumes was picking male applicants all the time mm. because the sample data was predominantly male, right? And it wasn't it wasn't just it, it, you know and it worked out into the whole social sort of uh, sphere of what that, how you define a man or a woman. Not 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 specifically that the gender was spelled out in the in the resume or whatever, but it's just that you know the kind of things that that it would look for a successful developer tended towards a white male developer. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I, again, would dispute the, I mean, the whole headline of this thing. Bad algorithms well, are really, making yeah, racist so decisions. The, yeah, the, the, the so, headline is a bit, a bit harsh. Yeah, but. like, algorithms are... Algorithms don't make racist de- decisions. No. Algorithms just make decisions. But as you say, very importantly, it's like, how do you write the... Al- it's humans writing the algorithms, or it's yes. humans providing or, the training or data. providing the model, right? Provi- creating, creating the model. Exactly. Right. You want to train the model, you have to give it some data. And then that, the data is biased because humans created that data and you're feeding right. that to, into a computer and it just kind of spirals out of control. So, yeah, yeah. So It's kind yeah, of like I, from, from an artistic point of view or from a visual point of view, like, like I get the whole Animoji thing, you know, the new thing that came out with iOS 12 where you can, you, can, you can have, you know, you can go pick your hair and you can pick your face shape and you can pick your, you know, eyes and glasses and whether you have a mustache or a beard or what have you. But at the end of the day, it kind of homogenizes people, right? So uh, there's a very good chance that your Animoji would look like the next guy's Animoji, you know what I mean? And and mm. you lose your individuality that way. And it's kind of, that's what I mean about like the way, if you use that as an analogy for how an algorithm might treat something, because you're, you're like suppose you're given 12 hairstyles and 12 noses and 12 sets of eyes, you know, there's a, a finite number of combinations you could create, right? You know what I'm saying? So so eventually, like, like your picture of you, 
that you post, you know, the Greg Heo looking sideways kind of uh, avatar that you use, or my <laughs> avatar that I've been using for the last ten years or whatever. Um, they're individual, you know what I mean? Like they're they're it's you and it's me as opposed to us just going to using Apple's tool and creating a, um, a simulacrum. Is that the word I'm looking for? Um, that's you know representative of me, like mm-hmm. by using you know you can do the same thing with the South Park tools where you can make a South Park character of yourself or the you know the Simpsons characters and that kind of stuff, right? Um, that's what I mean about this. It's sort of the it limits the possibilities by having you know these sort of finite finite models, if you want to call it that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the problem is it it amplifies things, right? If you only have a choice of five different skin tones yeah. and emoji, or uh, the animoji only has so many hairstyles, then it amplifies the existence of those twelve. And you think you know somebody might think, oh, there's only twelve hairstyles in the entire world. Or there's only yeah. four skin tones in the entire world. Right. And I guess same thing for algorithms. As we rely more and more on algorithms, and it's like you know no human is looking at it sometimes. But it's like you know what's the solution? Humans have to like review everything, or we have to provide better training data. But where do you get this training data? Like training data that doesn't just appear out of nowhere. It has to be yeah. collected somehow. So yeah. it's a hard, hard problem. I guess the solution that everyone always says is um, not to rely, not to run an algorithm and just do what it says, but you have to think about it as well. But it's just, it's you know, the problem is fraught on all sides because it's like, who are you going to get to look at the decision? You're going to get a human to look at the decision, and the humans—that's the entire problem—is that humans have biases, right? Exactly. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have a biased human looking at the results of an algorithm. How is that any different? Well, you know, rhetorical. How is that any different from the human making the decision to begin with? So it's a tough thing. But again, I would, I, I think articles with headlines such as this, uh, I'll, I'll go as far as say they're not helping. <laughs> no. They're not helping because the problem is not the algorithm or decisions it makes. So, well, so that's I why like I, I started this, this section of the, the talk about the fact that, that I wasn't focusing on the art, on the title. I was, I went yes. and got the, <laughs> I went and got this post and put it into the show because I was, I was fascinated by the idea of like the Amazon, you know, yeah. AI being biased because of the data it was fed. You yeah. Know, the fact that, no, no, you know, I'm not, not faulting you on this. I'm, I'm just saying, and, and it's a very good read. If you l- don't look at the headline, but you read it, it's like a really interesting Well, it's uh, actually a talk. I mean, it. it's actually yeah. a talk, and the talk doesn't, the, the, the block of text there does not encompass the entire conversation. So I, I suggest yeah. that people listen to the conversation, because it's fascinating to think about, like, it's something you don't think about that, mm. and I always want people to be aware of when they're making decisions and building apps or AIs or, or whatever model, you know, core, you know, core ML models, that that to, to realize that there are um, ways that your bias, confirmation bias, or whatever you want to call it, you know, can can leak into this thing, right? And mm. while you think you may be feeding it with pure data, you may be feeding it with biased data, right? So just to mm. be aware of that, that that could be a possibility, right? So. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we go around the table as we usually do and see if anybody has any picks? <laughs> sure, sure. Let's stop so, at Tim. Tim, right. do you have a pick? Yes, let's stop here. So I, I was listening to uh, Vector the other day, and uh, I stumbled across Rene Ritchie's um, review of the iPad Pro 2018 version, and uh, it's it's a 30-minute video. I warn you that much. I don't I haven't made it all the way through myself, but um, so he brings up some interesting points about the uh, the iPad, and we talked about it at the very beginning. I think when we talked, did we talk about the, the Jason Snell article? We never did. Uh, it was the Brooklyn event impression, six colors. Yeah, six colors. That's Jason Snell. Yeah, but we didn't talk about that specific article. But I'll leave it in the show notes anyway for people to read through. But it's interesting because a lot of people are talking about how the iPad Pro, as it is with this, um, I forgot, is it A12, A12 Bionic, I think. Bionic yeah. chip, is apparently faster than, I, I think Apple, did Apple say this in the keynote, that it's faster than most of the PCs sold in the market last year? Or hmm. more well, I don't know how far they went, actually. I, I, uh, to be honest, I still haven't watched the announcement. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, 
friend of mine was po- was saying to me, "Did you see the Geekbench reports on uh, mm. on the speed of things?" But I, I haven't. But uh, interesting that uh, that uh, so Randy Rich's review is is of all of the things about this this new uh, new iPad, and and he it's interesting the way he sort of says that you know at the very beginning he said, "Do you hear that? That's Apple snapping their fingers and changing the entire landscape." Kind of. And mm-hmm. have you seen the movie I'm referring to, Greg? The thirty minute review? No, no, I'm talking oh. about the Avengers movie. Oh no, I have not. Okay. Oh, well, I'm be behind, easy. just like Mark. I'm behind on my Avengers movies. Yeah, so I can't say any more thing more about it. But those of you who know what the snapping of the fingers will will know what I meant. Um, yeah, so so they basically have, as he says here, killed half the bezels in their product line by by getting rid of the bezel on the iPhone because you know the the uh, all of the devices are now edge to edge. I talked about some fascinating things, like for instance the uh, the um, the he calls it the iPhone five Leica brawn like design of this new device it's it's squarer the 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 screen just kind of falls off on the edge it's not no longer tapered i mean if you remember the original ipad was had a you know, camphored back and uh you know it's meant to be held in your hand and that kind of stuff and uh, uh just all the different kind of things about this and talks about some interesting things about the color in the uh, thing and and the the liquid retina versus um the the oled screens he said this one is so good that you couldn't you know it's uh hard to tell the difference between an LC an Apple Apple's designed LCD here in this case liquid LCD versus an OLED even and because we don't have an OLED in an iPad yet um, talks about a lot of things like you know what promotion actually does I didn't realize this promotion actually slows down the ref- refresh rate to save on power when it's not when you don't need super duper refresh right mm-hmm. like you know and, and and you can even lock it down to 24 frames per second if you want or but if you, if you need to zoom it up for like using your pencil or whatever you can do that right mm-hmm. um, so it's a really good really good sort of read uh, talks about the fact that this is a first USB-C as it has a new USB-C charger. The fact that the, the, the headphone jack is gone. Um, Mark and I mentioned this last week. They didn't really supply headphones with the iPads in the first place, so where's it's not a huge loss really from that point of view. But you know, there's lots of interesting things that I've seen on on the Twitterverse recently about the fact that it does have a USB now. You can actually drive a giant display through the USB-C uh, monitor now. Mm-hmm. As an ex- you can have an external monitor on your iPad as opposed to having an iPad as an external monitor, which a lot of people are doing right mm-hmm. so and he talks about you know the, the awesome sound i i basically have gotten maybe 10 minutes into this 30 minute thing so it's a really good re- review of the ipad pro i suggest people take the time and have a look at it and uh i think yeah you'll probably want to throw your money down and grab one of these things too so based on this this uh really interesting uh review of it from fellow canadian i might add mm. Randy Ritchie, yeah <laughs> we didn't mention the fact we're all canadians oh it's the all canadian show well we were too polite to mention it that's why that's true we're sorry we had to bring it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's my pick, uh, the iPad Pro 2018 review by Randy Ritchie on Vector. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jaime. Oh, sorry, not Jaime. <laughs> Greg, you have a secret pick. Uh, uh, yes, I do have a pick. Let's stop at me and have a pick. All right. On the, uh, keeping in the spirit of my sort of uh, quasi-pick that I had about the iOS developer roadmap, there's this other thing that I was looking at. Oh, let me, <laughs> sorry, let me paste it in here for everybody. That would be helpful uh, for those of us on the show. There's this other thing that I've been... Uh, looking at, which is a page called Teach Yourself Computer Science. So Ooh, staying nice. on the theme here, uh, it is at uh, teachyourselfcs.com. Cool. And it's by two people 
who teach a class at some school. Uh, they teach computer science somewhere. I forget where. It's mm-hmm. down there somewhere. And uh, they've put together um, some, not in diagram form, so the iOS developer roadmap gets a point there. But uh, these folks have put together different topics like uh, computer architecture, like more on the hardware side, math, operating systems, compilers, I think is on there, things like that. And then they have a suggested book. I think in the table they have one suggested book, one or two maybe, one suggested book and one video series. So if you like mm-hmm. reading, then they have a book for you to get. And if you like watching stuff, then they have a video series, you know, something on Coursera or something on YouTube to watch. And then if you scroll down a little bit more, they go into a little bit more detail, like why did they pick this book? If this is too hard, maybe go with this. And if this is too easy, then go with this and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you just want to look at the table at the top, look at the table and, you know, click on the links. Or if you want to, you're interested in like, no, you know, I know all these things, but yeah, I should learn more about math or what parts of math might I need to do computery stuff? If I were taking computer science at school, what kind of math um, might be included in the sort of course of study? And so they kind of list the things that they have. And again, there's books and there's videos to look at. So it's an interesting mix of stuff. Some of the books there I've read already. The courses, I think I haven't done any of the courses because I don't do a lot of um, video watching myself, but some of them are pretty interesting. Oh, look, it's the algorithm manual, the algorithm design manual. You've recommended that to me once. That's a good one. That's the big red book. Um, I think that's the one that has the first half of the book is like about algorithm analysis and design. The second half of the book is like like almost like an encyclopedia where you look up a particular problem and it's like, here is the way to solve it. So yeah, that one's a really good one as a reference. I think it's one of the few, I think I've said that before, one of the few, um, even hardcover, but one of the few physical paper books I have here hmm. in my personal library about computery stuff. That's actually, that's one of them that I have. So it's a really good one. And he apparently, the, the author has a course. I think his course is also the recommended course for algorithms and data structures. Yeah, he's a professor Steven, somewhere yeah. on the East Coast. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot, Stony Brook or something like that? Anyway, uh, he has a video course as well if you want to check it out. So this is a really good single-page, nice single-page website listing all these resources for teaching yourself computer science and computer science-y stuff. So check it out. Cool. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I've always been interested in... There's a... Earlier on in the show, um, like four years ago, there was a series of videos that some kids had done where they, they held um, cards that said one or zero in front of them, and they basically flipped the cards to demonstrate how binary numbers work. Mm. Um, there is a really good animated gif about that did you see that i may have i may have but but and they go through all the different things like how to how to do sorts and stuff like that with with mm. kids like the kids actually do sort themselves you know basically um using these algorithms and, that, and that's how these guys were teaching the kids to do computer science um i want to say ireland i think matthias actually um pointed it out to me once but um yeah and there's another book called computer science distilled which we've talked about on the show here um i believe i'll copy of it somewhere but it's it's a um, it's a website and or and or a book and it's written by a gentleman uh, which will sort of breaks down into almost like TLDR chapters on on how to learn the different things about computer science so mm. interesting stuff yeah that even more ways to, to learn how to feed your AI right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool stuff neat look forward to that I'll have to dig in some of these things that look pretty interesting Dang. is that it you're done your picks uh, that is it just one Jaime's not here so I don't have anyone to compete with so yeah just one the, reason, the reason it threw me off is, is I saw him throw a message at you, actually. Uh, uh, he was asking me about uh, yeah, the total phone. Well, he'll have to wait and see <laughs> when he listens to the episode on Saturday or Sunday to see what. That's right. Uh, what Patience. Yeah, time exactly. Bad honey. All right. So, hey, Greg, if people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs, where would they do? Where they? What would they do? They should send me an email at mtjc at greghio dot com, <sighs> and uh, I will uh, reply back and I will tell everybody that I got an email. So yes, sure, that's how you sure. should do it. Well, they could also email me at mtjc at, at it guy dot com. Mm. Or I'm Tim Mitra, T I M M I 
TRA on the Twitter machine. That actually is the best way to get hold of me, but uh, as people will attest. So, yeah, until I guess until next time with you, Greg, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. 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 If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Okay. They should look fine once they come in. How They're big are they going to be? I went five eighths of an inch. Five eighths of an inch. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to go three quarter, and then I, I printed one out and kind of looked at it. My RTD one, the one I have in my hat or my lapel or whatever, they're, mm. they're, it's five eighths wide. Mm. So it's not too big, you know? Right. But these pin the MTJC is like square. It's the keyboard, that thing? That's a yeah, square. Yeah, logo, it's, right? okay. it's square-ish, yeah. yeah. It'll be like five eighths by five eighths, pretty, pretty much square. It's it's Yeah, it's wider than it is tall. Seems like a good size. I'll have to think in centimeters, yeah. to be honest. So, yeah, all right. Half a centimeter yeah, is 1.25. I'm sorry, half an inch is 1.25, and it's 5.8, so it's a little bit more than that. So, yeah. Are you I'm, still I'm you think in centimeters, really? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Wow. Well, it, well, when it goes to fractions of inches, I have a little bit of trouble. You know, 3 eighths, you know, 7 eighths of an inch, 3 eighths of an inch, oh, okay. you know, yeah, yeah, 5 sixteenths. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know what that is. That I have, you know, I think a lot of people have trouble with the fractions. I, I don't know. That's what I've found, at least. Um, I learned... I mean, I was raised on I was raised on on imperial measurement, right? Mm. Like as a kid, I mm-hmm. learned inches, and that's why I know all that stuff about the eighteen inch where eighteen inches comes from and all that stuff, right? And then you know, I studiously, as a good Canadian, learned the metric system, right? Mm. And you know, and I this year I started driving was when we switched to, to uh, kilometers, right? Mm. So I never I, I never drove like thirty miles an hour. I always drove fifty kilometers an hour, right? Mm. And you know, my whole driving mindset is you know you drive a hundred on the highway and that's not 100 miles an hour, it's 100 kilometers an hour, right? Kind of thing, yeah, right? Yeah, And, you know, so I now always have trouble when I go to the States try, trying to drive 55 because it's an odd number, right? Mm. You know? And then um, it actually is an odd number, come to think of it. Literally, but, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but so, but then I, I got out of university and I went and apprenticed under a guy, he was in his 80s when I when I apprenticed under him, right? And he's like, metric, <laughs> and, he, and he, taught, he taught me how to how to divide with a ruler, right? Mm. And so we do measurements just by looking at the the size of the notches on a ruler, right? If you want to divide something in half, like if you look at an imperial ruler, you know the inches the inches are, are like a certain height, and then the half an inch is sort of half the height of that. The, the stroke on the on the ruler.
triangular. Yeah, I know what you mean. And then a quarter, and then eighth, and then sixteenth. So you can look at if you're doing like if you're dividing five eighths, you just in your brain kind of look at the next one down and pick five of those, and whatever that is is half, right? As we know, it's five sixteenths, right? But so you don't have to actually you can do the, the math visually, right? Mm, I, if I think really hard, like yeah, of course you can do it because you know what an inch is and you know what you know you know what the concept of fractions are. So yeah, you can do it. You're looking at the shape, not not the actual increment, right? So uh, I know what you mean. You have to like know what a ruler looks like because yeah, rulers yeah, are all sort of, of marked in the similar ways. Yeah, I know. I know what well, you mean. I, so Greg, I don't you can, can Google what or you can Google a ruler, and you, for those of you just driving at home, you can go to Google, Google, Google image search, type yeah. in a ruler, and you can get a PDF and print it out on a printer. <laughs> but you don't know if it's going to be that the correct scale. You, so you no, be careful. No, I've, I've done it before. Like I have a print, I have a printed out ruler at my at the office. I just I keep tucked under my monitor for whenever I want to measure something. Right? Yeah. It's it's kind of it's you're right. It's totally it's totally arbitrary because yeah, like the humidity of the paper and you know, uh, no no no. I'm just thinking if it's a full size. You know, some printers will like fit to page and yeah, they'll, they'll yeah, do like a 97 percent yeah. scale. It's just yeah, but that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, PDFs are notorious for doing that, right? So I so. think so. Um, and, and printers have their own issues too, so you never know. But um, you know, I can't find this lapel pillow thing. It's really bothering me. You said it was uh, five eighths of an inch. That's good. Enough. Yeah, I don't want hey, to find hey, the Siri. Thingy. Uh, let me ask Siri. Oh well. Anyway, what they're, they're... is five eighths of an inch in centimeters? The answer is one five nine centimeters. I have the British voice on one point five nine centimeters. So. That's what it is. Really? Done. 1.59, that's, so that's 159 uh, millimeters? Uh, 15.9, I think, because they're, t- they're off by 10. But yeah, that's yeah. the idea. So it's funny, I just saw a tweet by Marco Armit and on talking about the weight of the keyboards on the new mm, iPads. I saw that, yeah. And, yeah, and, and I, I, I just, it, what struck me was, it wasn't so much the, the, I mean, yes, they're heavy, right? But... The fact that he measured, he he stated it in grams. Mm. Well, he's a scientist, I guess. Maybe is he? that's why. Uh, I don't know. You ask people here about ounces, and they don't know what that is. So it's like how, like nobody knows that. I don't know. It's weird. I, I, that's what I found out. He's, <laughs> they don't know what an ounce is. I, I don't know. Like they're like, how heavy is that? I'm like, oh, it's like 300 grams. And then I think wow. in my head, oh, I should say the ounces. And I'm like, ah. Uh, and in my head, I'm like, 16 ounces is a pound, and 454 oh, grams not, not is a is a pound. So you know, 300 grams would be about three quarters of it. So be about 12 ounces like i'm trying to do this in my head i'm like oh it's maybe like 11 12 ounces yeah and they're like um like i don't actually know what that is i'm like how th-? anyway i don't know i don't know how i don't know how people work maybe i should have said like half a, or three quarters of a pound maybe is how i should have said it i don't um, know was it the generation generation z people you're talking to again yeah it's kids so i don't know they hopeless <laughs> so, hopeless yeah Sorry. we were talking about this last week what are you are you you're uh are you uh are you a near no, no you're you would be what mark is which is a uh, generation x i'm i'm a boomer yes you're generation I think x i'm at the t- tail end of generation x possibly the next one i don't know i've heard at the i'm sort of right on the border so i don't know but um my cousin my younger cousin is yeah. uh definitely a what's after generation x Gen- millennial is that what's after yes, that millen- yes millennial. he is like def- yeah. him and i are only two years apart but we're like very very different and so mm-hmm. i like to think that he is a millennial and i'm in general I'm, I'm more like my older sister and my older cousins were more alike yeah and they're yeah. definitely generation so i think of myself as a generation yeah. I, I think i still follow within the rules but some people, you know, whatever. Yeah. So yes, Mark is uh, Generation X as well. I'm at the tail end of the boomer, and and I mm. get boomers, and I get the sort of snobby boomer people saying, "You're not really a boomer," you know. Then what? Then what am I? Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I definitely can. And uh, I think I've said it before. Oh, an overeducated, cynical person. So I, I'm, I think I'm a Generation X. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I heard somebody at the, in the presentation say Generation Z today, and, and I, I didn't mm. mentally connect and correct him to Generation Z. Mm. It doesn't work. <laughs> Post. 
millennials. Are, are there, uh, there was a funny name yeah. for them as well. I forget what it was, but there was something like that. Millennials plus plus or something. I forget what, exactly yeah. what the term was. Well, but I heard we something talking, like that. He was talking about, uh, he was a marketing guy and he was presenting presenting what the, the different, you know, generation people think about, you know, f- financial services and stuff like that, right? And But it, one interesting thing he said, he said that when he asked people today what a shopping mall is, mm. and they say that's when online shopping comes to life. Mm, yeah, because online shopping is shopping and the mall is like the physical manifestation, which is weird, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I, it's weird. I guess I can see that. It's like Amazon, but if they open the store. Bricks and mortar, yeah, yeah. Generation but it's funny, how, it's funny how perceptions change over time, right? So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there is no better name for Generation Z other than Generation Z. According to Wikipedia, it goes Generation X, Millennials, Generation Z. I'll use both pronunciations. Right. And then I heard so. somebody say the aughts the other day. Uh, well, it does say Gen- Generation Z here is mid-90s to mid-2000s or so. So they are mm-hmm. in the knots, I guess. Uh, but there's no. it says there's no consensus. I mean, there's no consensus for Generation X either. So why would we have a consensus on anything after it? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. All right, my brain hurts. Um... So, a uh, friend of the show, um, oh, I forgot his name now, uh, blah, 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 blah. Gold, fellow goaltender, whose daughter is also a goaltender, um, this is the part where I get to shame. Oh, Adam Armstrong was in town yesterday. Oh, no kidding. And he was at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And you know what's close to the Hockey Hall of Fame, Greg? You. The office that I work at. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I believe you can reach it without seeing the light of day outside. I can. Right? Yeah. Can it's, go, it's, yeah. Well, it's literally across the street from, from where I work. And yeah, um, uh, yeah I mean, when he... He, uh, it, it, well, I can't completely fault him because, you know, if I had looked at Twitter as I was leaving the office, I would have realized he was at the Hockey Hall of Fame and I went, what? Because as soon as I saw the tweet, I went, what? And then it turned out that it was, you know, two hours ago and, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, his daughter was up here for a hockey tournament and, and they were driving back to Niagara Falls. But I thought he was from Texas. Believe he Dallas. may be. I think he lives down there, right? Yeah. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah. 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 That's quite the drive. Well, if I he think, drove I think, all the way there, I don't know how he got there. But, well, I think he yeah. was. He went to look at. He went to look at Niagara Falls. And he said he was on his way back to see Niagara Falls on the U.S. side. I hope he wasn't disappointed when he got down there. You got to see from the Canadian side. I no, mean, he did the Americans really. have physically the nice falls are on the American side, but you have to see it from the Canadian side. I think that's True. the way to do it. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Plus, Ni- uh, I mean, Niagara Falls, Ontario is kind of cheesy with the uh, you know Ripley's Believe in the and all that stuff. But I think Niagara Falls, New York, is worse. I don't know. Maybe the yeah, angry no, New Yorkers heard, will come I've back to me the, again. But the, the the Canadian side has got all the, the stuff. And then the, the there's stuff to see. It might be cheesy stuff, but there's stuff to see. It's a tourist destination. Whereas Niagara yeah. Falls, New York, I don't think really is. There's nothing really there to see. I don't think. Right. Um, right. So you you got to come to Canada. And plus, again, the the view of the falls you have to see from Canada. It's just you know no, mm-hmm. no no question there. Nobody can email and dispute that. That's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see the Canadian side from the American side. They have a yeah, but the Canadian. The, uh, that's what I'm saying. The American side is nicer. But if you're on that side, you can't see it because it's like. Oh. You know how falls work. The water goes down, and you can't see it if it's like right in front of you. Wait, you so be you're on the saying, other side you're saying that it. the American side, which is just flat and boring, as opposed to the Horseshoe Falls of the Canadian side, mm. the American side is nicer than the Horseshoe Falls. Is that what you're saying? I believe, like the piece of land where the water falls over, yeah, that is nice, is on the American side. Is what I'm saying. Okay, but the Horseshoe piece, that's on the, you know, that's in Canada, right? Uh, I have to go look at the the. Map. The, the falls know. over on the right-hand side when you look at it. Well, I mean, like, but, but you know, I guess we should say that you're, you're not really a geologist 
and you only you only put one on the podcast, right? <laughs> uh, this isn't even geology. I'm just saying the I, when if when you picture not, Niagara Falls in your head, esthetician. Or, uh, when you picture Niagara Falls in your head and that thing that you're thinking of, yeah, that I believe is on like technically that piece of land with the water falling over it is wait, on so, the so US wait a minute. Side, so the one that's the one that's straight, like you're standing on the Canadian side, you're looking right across the river, and you just see yes. this straight falls with the nice rocks at the bottom. Yes. Straight, like like not no curve to it. That's the American Falls. The curve yes. I used to, I lived in Niagara Falls, so that's yes. how I know this. The curve also, yes. the, the big horseshoe, right? That's uh-huh. the Canadian that's on the that's in Canada. So that's technically all of ours. That's all our water. They can't have any of it. Uh okay. They I mean that's the mineral rights, of course. We talked it's about like that in the middle of the I mean, I think the border's in the middle of the river, so that, that, that gets a little tricky. I don't I don't know what side is what, but I'm I believe that yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Basically I'm saying you have to see it from the Canadian side. If you look at any, it from the other side, you look you, at you don't, any way you, don't you look see at it. it, it's best to look at it from the Canadian side. I agree. Yes. I will agree yes. with you there. Yeah. Yes. Borders of the land, that's true. I'm not a not a geologist. I'm not a geographer. I don't you know, I don't study the borders, <laughs> so I don't know that. I'll, all right, fine. I could be wrong on that. But yes, you, you have to look at it from the Canadian side. It's just nicer. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to the uh, Google not the Google the Apple Maps here, trying to find the mm. falls. Where are the falls? I'm on the Google Maps and uh, the horseshoe falls are yeah, it looks like it's on the Canadian side. If the little pin is correct, it is on the Canadian side of the of the border. You know, the border that runs in the middle of the river. It is on the Canadian side. Yeah. Oh, let me do the satellite view because you can actually see the water cascading over. Uh, you are correct. It looks like the entire curve mm-hmm. is pretty much like 98 on the Canadian side. Ninety-eight percent. Yes. Yes. The curve. Like there's a little tiny corner that if I don't know how accurate the Google Map thing is, but uh, yes. I'm looking at Niagara River. It's, it's funny. The Niagara River doesn't show any kind of like depression or whatever. Let's look at the satellite view here. You look at the satellite view and you'll see. And if it draws the border in the correct place, you'll see that it is mostly how do we get on to the Canadian draw the border? side. Uh, I'm on Google Maps and they draw the border. So oh. maybe maybe do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Do you see it? Well, I, I don't see a border here because I'm, I'm looking at the, um, the... Yeah, you're right. That Goat Island looks like it's all in the U.S. Which that's the... U- yeah, that's on the U.S. side. Yeah. yeah. I think... Um, now, that I, now that I look at it... All right. So if the Nice Falls is in Canada, then definitely if you look at the viewing angle, if you were anywhere on U.S. territory, you would just not be able to see it because it's like blocked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you're on Canadian, because of the way the land curves, then um, then I think you get a good view. So, yeah. But it's one of those things like, you know, like the CN Tower. Like, I, I can count on one hand the number of times... How many times have I been up the CN Tower? Probably once, maybe twice. Mm. Um, it's kind of like the... Uh, when I lived in Niagara Falls, we never went to the falls. However, yes. anytime yes. anybody came from Asia to visit or whatever... Or oh, anybody, my God. I was yeah. going to say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. I was a kid, we went so many times when we had, like, family <laughs> visiting. Yeah. And I, I can never go back. Well, I kind of... I kind of want to now, but yeah? for a very, very long, like in between when I was like 13 to like right now, like I have, I don't think I've ever been back just mm-hmm. because I'm like just so tired of it. But I think I would want to go back now just to see it as a grown up. Cause I think as a kid, it's like, oh, it's so boring. We have a long car <laughs> ride. These yeah. stupid relatives are here and you know, I don't know. So stupid relatives. You only I, sh- stupid. I should go back now though. I apologize to my relatives. They're not stupid and I'm sure they enjoyed the trip because it's, you know, it's an impressive sight. So I'm sure they enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, as a kid, it's indescribable. Like, oh. It's one of those things that's very hard to describe to somebody who's not seen it, right? That's I remember talking to somebody in Vancouver when I worked out there. And it could, I couldn't explain the falls. I said, imagine you're, you're, something the size of your house is made of water and it was constantly falling over the cliff, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is not a very good description of the falls either, but uh, I'll, I'll go with it. You know, see where you're going. It's a, there's a lot of water falling over the edge of that thing, you know. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the, they say that the 
erosion is an inch a year on the horse yeah. on the Canadian side. So yeah, like eventually, <laughs> like there won't be falls anymore, like in a million years. So since I started going to the falls, it would have been forty-eight years ago. So it's it's moved. It's it's moved Four a feet. full yard. Four feet. Yep. It's moved a yard. Hmm. I should go back. Uh, although I think I might be back in Christmas. I don't know if winter is the best time to go. Is it? It's not frozen, right? Well, no. It, so. Well, the, it's interesting because if if there's snowfall and there's ice, it forms ice, right? Sometimes yeah. there have been times when the fall is completely falls are completely covered with ice, mm. and it's spectacular, right? Because they light it all up at night, right, and that kind of stuff. Oh uh, right? yeah, that might be that. I don't know. I'm I live in California now. I can't do cold weather anymore. So well, I of course, my, I, I keep my Christmas trips as short as possible, to be honest. But um, maybe, maybe we'll see. Yeah, I don't know if you if you know this, but the large percentage of our hydro, which we we call our electricity up here hydro, because it's all made by hydroelectricity, water, you know, water generators. Not all of it. A lot of it is. A lot of nuclear is the big chunk. Nuclear is the big chunk. But yes, did you know that that it is possible to turn off the falls? Uh, it is. The, I mean, it's hydroelectric, so they've got dams and everything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so they they, have, they I believe dams. they turn it up during the day for the tourists, and they turn it back down, or the yeah, other way around. That's right. You know that's true. I mean? In the middle yeah. of the night, in the middle of the night, they they shunt more water through the generators. There's uh, mm-hmm. the Alexander Graham. I don't know if it's Alexander Graham. Adam Beck, no? I think, is what you're thinking. Adam, Adam, Adam Beck. Adam Beck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the generating generation station that's there on yes, it's probably on the map. But yeah, they I I've seen pictures because my parents had a book. We where we lived in Niagara Falls. Somebody had the house we moved into had a book on Niagara Falls, and and there was a picture of the falls turned off. You know, because mm. I guess they were doing something or they were drilling or carving or whatever, and so they can just channel all the water, like run all the water through the generator stations, and it and it basically drains the falls. Right? Mm-hmm. They probably do. They probably can dam it too, as like you said as well. Right? But yeah, yeah. It's uh, an interesting well, place. maybe it, maybe next time I'm in Toronto, uh, I'll get my sister to drive me down there. My niece and nephew can have the experience I had as a child of like when, oh when stupid the, relatives in town <laughs> we have to drive down to Niagara maybe I can be the relative and I'll make my yeah. niece and nephew suffer and make the drive sure. <laughs> although they'd probably enjoy it because we do like fun stuff when I went with my parents we never did anything yeah. fun we just drove and looked and then we drove yeah. back I don't know it wasn't I don't have very good memories of it but I'm sure now we would go to like all the little <laughs> all the attractions and things that they have now so maybe they'd enjoy Ripley's, it but, yeah. believe it or not look at all the weird stuff yeah 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 like the wax museum um, yeah. I don't know what else they have it's, it's cheesy stuff but it's fun oh, it's, it's, kids, yeah, it's, it's actually gone downhill. I mean, we used to, we used to actually ride our bikes there in the place. It was one of the few places that Skyline Tower had a huge arcade of like you know coin coin operated games. Yeah. So my friend James and I we we rode our bikes once. I used to live in St. Catharines, which is just just down the road. Mm-hmm. We used to drive ride down or go at least go to the Skyline Tower and play video games for you know, for a quarter of a play. Right. So it was, it was actually there weren't video games. It was like pinball games and stuff like that. It was all mechanical games back then. Right. So mm. this would have predated like you know um, pong and you know base invaders and stuff right so yeah they got like a imax theater now there's a sky of course they have like a giant ferris wheel now so it looks oh, like right, there's a lot of, of stuff there well there's also should, uh... falls you so you can go there are other casinos there and uh, a casino yeah. there and there's also a lot of um acts are there like you know you'll have bands playing there as well too if you're into mm. that kind of thing right so all right maybe if i visit in the summer i'll go uh, i'll go visit <laughs> I don't know, again i don't know if i want to do it in the winter but i'll think about it yeah it's cold and <laughs> No kidding, Canada cold. Who would have well, thought? Well, no, I mean, and, well, think about it. It's cold, and it's and there's like the the vapor from the from the fall, so it's like doubly <laughs> insulting, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. So summer, summertime it. is better. It's refreshing in the summertime when you get splashed with the water from the mist or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember ever going in the winter. Now I think about it. Although I don't, I don't know why relatives would come to visit us in the winter anyway. They probably all came in the summer, right? Surely, unless they went to go um, skiing with your exciting parents. Mm, no, that would not have happened. <laughs> 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 All right, Niagara Falls. 
Paris. There you go. It's on his agenda now. Yep, it's there. I don't know. I'd rather go to Paris. I did want to go up the CN Tower last time I was in Toronto, but the line was like really long, and I only really? had like an hour. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like I made it. I, I I did like the security check and everything. Yeah. And they give you a little ticket saying like what number you are. Yeah. Um, and then if you pay extra, you can like go front of the line or whatever. But I think my number would have been called in like an hour, and I was like, I only have like an hour and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, I'll do it next time. So sure. next time. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. anyway, I have to uh, get up early and go play music tomorrow. Sounds like fun. Well, it could be. We put together a quick little ragtag band of uh, musicians to play tomorrow, and um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. We've had musicians come and go in the last week or of, the, of trying to put this thing together. Mm-hmm. You know, so the band's broken up three times already. We haven't even played the first week yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got the band back together, though. That's good. Well, no, it's a different band, but yeah, new oh, band. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I discovered this place downtown where you can you can rent a studio for or rent a rehearsal space for twenty five dollars and, and has drum kit and amps there already. So you just literally just grab a bunch of guys and go play, or guys and gals oh, cool. and go play. Yeah. So okay. If I'd known about that, I would be in there all the time. You know. Mm, but now I would am. you? Yeah. I mean, well, when I was playing with with my friends, we I used to drive up to Markham every day. You can imagine what that's like a rush hour on Friday, right? Yep. So that's like dedication. Fun. You know, doing it every weekend, to, every mm. Friday to go up and play with these guys, or maybe it was every second Friday. I can't remember. But um, yeah, and it was you know it was, it was a, a chore to get up there. But I mean, yeah. now this this place is just down up front in Sherburne, right? So I can, oh, I can take the nice. streetcar, and you don't have to just bring your guitar, and then even if you just want to go in and play by yourself, right? You can just you know turn it up and you know, have fun. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. yeah.